Yes, indeed, just two of us. How it should be. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. We are taping this on a Sunday evening ahead of the title game tomorrow night from San Antonio. Luke here, of course, with you. And Taylor Pilkington is on the other line. It's Easter back to Sunday, the, baby. It's back to the two-man pod. We did this a couple times last year. We did it a few times in December. And it's fitting because there's only two teams left in college basketball. Taylor, how are you all the way over there in Richmond? I'm great. The, uh, the tournament just knocks them down, you know, knocks people out. Really? I did not know that. Let's talk. Two people left standing by the end of this whole thing. I have a few thoughts. First of all, Villanova's run has been absolutely spectacular. If you're dating all the way back to game one through their annihilation of Kansas, they've won by double digits in every contest. They've covered it every game, I believe, besides from their opener, where I think they didn't, but I, I could be wrong on that one. Am I wrong? It's re- I, I don't know about the covering, but I would believe it because. I found myself watching that game uh, last night and thinking to myself, oh, how could I ever have picked against Villanova? Like, why yeah. would I ever? How could I ever have thought that anything would happen other than that Villanova, of course, would make the national championship? And, of course, they'll win. And, of course, yeah. you know, I already, to, to jump right into it, I already, it's Villanova are six-and-a-half-point favorites. And my initial, um, you know, thought is to immediately be like, oh, just take them. They'll cover it. I'm sure it'll be fine. Sure, it's a national championship game. And, They'll, uh, they'll, it'll be close, but just take them. Just take them. Sure, Michigan has the third best defense in the country, but Villanova will space them out and it'll be no problem. I don't know. I just, it was amazing watching him, you know, immediately drop 20 in the first, like, yeah. three minutes against Kansas. At 9 2, when the score was 9 2, I knew it was pretty much a done deal. And it's yeah. weird to I, say I, that I about a basketball game. Turn to him. And right. I, I, you know, I didn't know it was a done deal, it just had that feel. Sometimes you have right. the feel in the game and the flow. And I'll tell you what the best sign to take Villanova yesterday, which is what um, I, I was all over, especially in the first half, was how poorly they shot against Texas Tech. They had their worst shooting performance of the season and still won by the right. digit, digits. So you have to think that turns around at least a little bit, at least by five to seven percentage points, and then it completely turned around. I mean, what do they have, 14 threes at halftime, 13 yeah. They're about 13 of 27, somewhere in that vicinity. I mean, shooting at least 50%. And it's just, I mean, they completely, everybody was like, oh, Azubuki is going to dominate. He's, nobody can match up with him. And maybe a little bit nobody can match up with him, although they do it. You know, Spellman plays pretty big down there. Yeah. And also, when you have Spellman running out and, like, knocking down threes on the perimeter, he's going to stretch it. Kind him. of neutralizes the fact that Azubuki. Um, you know, it's, it's even out there. I, I remember on one play, he, Azubuki, like, closed out. Spellman passed the ball. Azubuki turned around because he thought a shot was going up, went to expect a, a rebound at the rim, and the ball was still whipping around the perimeter, and then Spellman hit a wide-open three. And I was just like, oh, this is not going to work out for Kansas. No, not at all. And, you know, it didn't help Kansas that they went against that Duke zone, the Swiss cheese yeah. factory in the, the elite. zone. It really didn't help. I know they had a week of prep, but still. All right, more from Villanova because I think their starting five has just been outstanding this year. If you're looking at the Ken Bomb ratings, Brunson's, I think, number two overall, and Bridges is a top-ten guy as well. I like DiVincenzo off the bench, but Pascal is the guy who I've been most impressed with this tournament. Tell me what you've seen from him, Taylor. Uh, I mean, I think he's – I, I want to let us gush more over everything because I think my – 
my favorite person to watch has been Brunson. We've talked about it, and I always kind of like, you know, you read all the stuff like he's everything about how he's like a heady player, everything like that. And I just, just watching how they get in their sets and then get exactly what they want. And, you know, Brunson's like 6'2 or something. Watching him go down and post up other point guards is like, it's, it's, I think it's great to do that, to add that element to your game. And it reminds me of all the stories about how, like, you know, LeBron in the summer after they lose the finals goes away and, like, learns how to post up and then suddenly becomes even more unstoppable. And I just think of, like, the point guard for Villanova posting people up. I think of that. So I realize I just compared Jalen Brunson to LeBron James. But you you see what I'm saying there. And I I also asked you about Eric Pascoe, and you immediately started talking about Jalen Brunson. So I'm a little bit confused there. I had that one queued up, so I immediately dodged that Mm -hmm. question, like the seasoned politician that I am. Well, I'll talk about Eric Pascoe because— Hit me. I like players who play on the baseline like he does. He was hitting corner threes. He was making reverse layups, offensive rebounds. We've seen it all tournament from him. I thought he was outstanding against Texas Tech, just living in, around the rim. I like players who live around the rim. The reverse layups and just run of the baseline back and forth, back and forth. That was just that's just his territory, and I think it works with that Villanova team tremendously. Now back to Brunson, since you did bring him up, the top of the key threes were daggers in that first half against Kansas. They were just yeah. dagger threes. Uh, I feel like there were two to three in sequence, which just like took the lights out of Kansas. And Kansas had that little 7-0 run to, to spurt back to within about 12, but then Villanova with those brunts of threes just took over. I, I don't know. This team, they run their offense with such conviction. There's not too much to say. I mean, we're preaching to the choir about everybody. Yeah. Kansas, though, takeaways from that team. I mean... I was impressed they made it this far, honestly. I thought they, I thought, you know, nothing to be ashamed of this season, that run. Should we have seen it coming that Malik Newman was not going to have an out-of-body experience twice in a row? <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's what we you should know, have seen coming. I don't know if this was true, but as, as I was starting, at the very start of that game, somebody I was watching the game with turned to me and said, you know, Newman is like, fourth in, in wooden ballots right now or something like that. So I don't know if that's the exact like stat, but something that just based on the, the last couple of games, he, people were already talking about him like I know, like he was getting those kind of like player of the year discussions. And I just thought that's crazy. I mean, I, he's a great player. I just thought he's, he's not like the all around kind of thing to have that. And that, I just thought that was reflective of like Kansas as a whole. Yeah, and did Sviatoslav show up last night? Was he on the court? I like I could barely recognize him. Yeah, I mean, for all that we talked about Villanova's offense, I think their defense did a really good job of um, forcing forcing Kansas to get out of its game. And get yeah, out forcing of Graham to try to do what Brunson was doing, just pulling up, just dribbling yeah. down and pulling up because he started doing that and it really killed him. I thought, and I, I think Kansas probably expected, probably anticipated that. Um, Villanova would double in the paint a lot more, like double Azubuki, whatever, and they just were completely content to just deem up one-on-one and pressure everyone else far outside the, the three-point line, and, I mean, it worked. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about Bridges, but we can transfer on to another topic. Anyway, good, good, good run by too. Kansas. Good run by Kansas. They they maxed yeah. themselves out. And a little yeah. bit. And some. I'd say they maxed themselves out and some, so. Well, that's the whole whole shtick on Bill Self, right? That he maxes out every single ounce of his talent. 
Well, you know, so every every single ounce of what he has, he takes it and, and wins the Big Twelve. Did he do it with um, Wiggins and Embiid? Yeah, that's not a good example. Okay, I'm just just but, checking your history. Right there. <laughs> checking you. I wouldn't say every but time, year, but I a good like amount he of times he's done it. Yeah, because you remember the national title team with Chalmers and uh, and the rest of that crew, Brandon Rush. Those guys maxed out for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, let's go over to Loyola Chicago and Michigan. Oh, RIP the Ramblers. The oh, Ramblers the gave it a, Ramblers. they gave it a run. Had the lead at halftime, were making me a believer, and then the wheels just came off and Michigan oh, yeah. went on a, what was it, a 17-2 run? Yeah. When Michigan got the lead, did you have a sense that it was over? Yes. You did. And- right when they got the lead. I mean a 2-point lead. Maybe not right when they got the lead, but a few minutes after that, like Loyola did not respond with a with a little run of their own, and I I feel like you got a taste of it earlier in the game because there was a moment, you know, maybe partway through the first half where like there was Michigan, the Michigan defense held the Loyola offense for like uh, I want to say I don't know how long I want to say maybe four minutes without a single basket or something like that. But but nobody really scored and it didn't really affect the score much, and and but you could kind of see already there that like that put the potential for that kind of like defensive stop by Michigan and if they could add some points on the other end the potential for a huge run was there and so I feel like in the second half that was just the real version of it and not to take anything away with it it was awesome I mean my feeling also which obviously turned out to be wrong was that like, oh, Loyola's kind of got this. They got this. All right, we're good. I was starting to feel comfortable. And then you like turn around and all of a sudden, you know, Michigan's one by 12. Blinked. Yeah. Another thing about reverting to the mean was Wagner played really poorly in the Elite Eight game against Florida State. Right. And you didn't think that was going to happen twice. I mean, he was about one for nine from three, I think. But he was all over the glass in the first half and really kept them in distance. And I thought he was a, an influential part of that run, which got them the lead and eventually the W. Just yeah, he had a really good game. And I mean, Florida State, I think, was a, was a completely different matchup for him and a worse matchup for him oh, sure. personally than than against Loyola. I mean, he had 24 um, and how many, how many rebounds? Like, a lot. Yeah, he had like fifteen, like twenty-four and fifteen. That's a stat line. That's pretty. That's pretty good for a college player, I'd say. That is. That's pretty good. Wait, I'd say I that's. Mean, he's that's doing something right. He's doing something right there. Now, does is he effective in a way that Azubuki wasn't because he could step out against Villanova, or do you think it's fine? Spellman's just mobile enough, and he's gonna track him all over the floor. Oh, I think he's definitely going to be more effective than than Azubuki was. I mean, well, completely different player, right? He has some strength. Th- yeah, that's an easy I, answer. That's a bad question. I'm sorry, but yeah. No. I mean, so, yeah, it's good that we'll immediately start talking about the matchup here. I, I've already, like, shown my hand by saying I think I'm well, a little surprised, bit more surprised. Of the, well, hold that thought. A little bit more on the Ramblers. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Yes. We should give them some more attention. They deserve it. Good job by Mike for calling out Crutwig way before anybody knew his name. Yeah. And for describing him to a T for a lot of our listeners and... I don't know, college basketball people in general who had not watched Loyola Chicago this year. I mean, I, all I remember was the Florida game, to tell you the truth. I didn't track them like Mike did um, all the way up until March. But, yeah, pour some out for the Ramblers. Their shooting, I thought, was a little bit off. And their their movement of the perimeter, 
I don't know if it was Michigan. Probably it was Michigan because they, they really get out on it and try to push it off that line. But it didn't yeah. seem quite as crisp as it was the rest of the tournament. But they didn't get the back cuts. They were getting so many easy baskets from in rounds one, two, three, and four. So, yeah, that's my takeaway. Well, I mean, I think the Michigan uh, like perimeter defense did a really good job of messing with their rhythm on screens, like ball screens, and then slipping those screens. Like Loyola has always like has done a really good job. I thought moving the ball around, slipping screens, and then just kind of creating mismatches or you know missed rotations. And the the defense of Michigan forced them to slow down. They weren't able to get the kind of looks. They also stayed in front. Right. Which is a big difference. You know, penetration will mess everything up. Yeah, they kept them in front. So, I mean, Loyola Chicago was getting some stuff in the mid-range, but they weren't getting layups like we saw against, say, Nevada or Kansas State, which was like right. a layup fest. A contested floater is a, is a tough shot to make your living on. Certainly. And the three ball was not consistent enough, so... Yeah. Good job by you, Loyola Chicago. Pour some outs, but here's the question I wanted to ask everybody, but since you're the only one here, I'm gonna I'm just throwing it at you. <laughs> you're stuck. And it's the question of the episode. And I have an answer for it. Of course I do. But I want your answer. When did this okay. tournament revert back to equilibrium? And what I mean by that is when did the right teams start winning? Oh, that's a tough one. Well, I'll answer it for you while you think. And you can yeah, get, feel me. free to disagree I, with me. Yeah. It was in the Elite Eight. The right okay. teams were winning in the Elite Eight, with maybe the minor exception of Kansas over Duke. Minor exception. But not a major one. You had Villanova take care of business against Texas Tech, of course. All right. You had Loyola Chicago, who I thought was clearly better than Kansas State. Oh, yeah. You had Michigan take care of it against Florida State, right? A Florida State team who I still am shocked that they made it there. And um, <laughs> maybe in our off-season podcast, we can go over the uh, the four-point no-foul Leonard Hamilton special. That's what we're going to oh, call it yeah. from now on. Did I don't we know talk if we'll, about that interview? It feels like something we should have addressed. I don't know if we'll ever see that again, but if we do, we're calling it a Leonard Hamilton. Down four, double-digit seconds left on the clock, no-foul, Okay. But prior to the Elite Eight games, it just it, it didn't feel quite like the teams who should be in position were there, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, you know like that my funky first things were happening. Run. Like Florida State blew Gonzaga out of the building. Yeah. Which was wild. What else happened? Um, I mean, the crazy Nevada, Loyola, Chicago game, that, that's fine. I mean, I can accept that. You had Michigan just tattooing Texas A&M. Yeah, they probably should have won, but should it have been that lopsided? I don't know. I'm just going back through this in my mind right now. Because this happens at the tournament every single year. just happens at a different time. And we can say that Loyola Chicago was probably the right team to come out of the South after we reset everything following weekend number one. Like, after weekend right. number one, we reset. Everybody took a deep breath, and then we evaluated moving forward, Right. But Thursday and Friday, I just still didn't think of weekend number two. I still didn't think things were right. And then it finally got back to uh, to normal Saturday and Sunday. Well, you know that Are you my awake first... over there, Taylor? Are you there? Yeah, I, I was waiting for okay. you to finish so I could right. give you my answer that you will not, you will hate. 
Okay. Because it's my my philosophical pencil and everything is that the right teams win every single time. Yeah, I know. That's the beauty of it. It's single elimination. I know. Whatever. Um, Great. Yeah. Congratulations. I would I would say you the elite eight is when it kind of became a little more settled and stuff became a little more expected. You know the the East was always pretty, with the exception of Marshall. The East was always pretty standard. Like um, Kansas you know, State and Florida State showed up in the elite eight. I'm just reminding everybody about that. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. They showed up in the Elite Eight, those two teams. <laughs> which is, uh, I mean, I watched a lot more of Florida State than Kansas State, so maybe that's affecting my bias, but I'm a lot more ready to believe that they, that Florida State would make the Elite Eight than Kansas State. Um, but yeah, I would say the Elite Eight is when the, t- the more expected teams started winning again. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly, it also helps, I think, that there's just, as you get later into the tournament, there's not the volume of games. So, one, it just doesn't feel as chaotic from, like, a, a fan perspective because you're, like, watching three games at a time. And even if only one of those games is a crazy upset, it still feels like you're watching something wild. And later on, you know, it's like you can kind of slow down the further we can. So it just feels less chaotic. I think that plays into that feeling. I have no idea what you just said, so I think we're going to have to change topics. I thought it was going to be a great question. I thought it was going to be a monumental question. I can think of prior years where everything stabilized. That's really what I'm talking about. When did things stabilize in the tournament? And I think it happened in the Elite Eight. Not prior to, in. So in the middle of that weekend, not Thursday, Friday. I'm talking Saturday, Sunday of last weekend. That's when I think everything stabilized. Every year in the tournament, so it's, there's stabilization at some point, I believe. Except the UConn years. We'll throw those out. Regardless, Michigan and Villanova, let's break it down. We've got a one seed. We've got a three seed. You know, fairly expected. I mean, I think a lot of people had this final. Really? I do, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of people on Michigan for the final. Or even a final four, really. I don't know. I think there was quite a few... Michigan Final Four is out there. I mean, I had it in my original one, and then I changed it. I know Billis had it in his. He had a Michigan. And, yeah, I don't know. Convince me that Michigan's going to win. What's the case for Michigan? What's the, the case for them? Well, they don't get blown out by anybody. They've won 14 games in a row. If they're shooting the ball well and Villanova's not, then they could win, yeah. That's the formula. They need to shoot well. They need to defend the perimeter. I mean, you can score points on Villanova. Kansas showed that yesterday. Yes, oh, definitely. Like Kansas was scoring at will at times. Just they were trading twos for threes, and that's what killed them. That's how the lead ballooned to about 18. So you can score on Villanova. We know that. And you have to hope that they have a cold shooting time. Secondly, Michigan does guard the perimeter well. Practically as good as any team in the country right now. What are they... Their top five, Ken Palm, defensive efficiency, right around number four or three. Definitely. Yeah, they're three. And, uh, I mean, this is probably the best suited team to go against Villanova I can think of. I mean, can you think of a better team to match up against Villanova in the tournaments? Yeah, I don't know. I, this, this is pretty good. I mean, you could say, no, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think of a better team, but I, I don't have any. Hey, so I think... I kind of I agree with you that it's going to have to be uh, an offensive like Michigan is going to have to make an extra excuse me Michigan is going to have to make an extra defensive effort because 
the Bills, you, you're going to be able to score on Villanova. It's, they're not going to like hockey well, down. Well, I'll tell you what, though. They can't have one of those Michigan droughts that have been happening in every Definitely. round. There was one against Florida State. There was a big one against Loyola Chicago at the tail end of that first half where they went from up eight to down seven fairly quickly. I mean, how many points did they manufacture in that first half? They, I mean, they didn't break 20 in the first half. Yeah. So that's now, a problem. I, that's a problem. I agree they've had those droughts. I don't, I don't really see it happening against Villanova. I just think that they've – I think they've kind of keyed in here. If, if Wagner can kind of avoid the games that he had in, like, the Elite Eight, um, I think, and I don't think Villanova's going to have the defensive lockdown. Like, who, is it going to be Spellman on Wagner? I don't – Yeah. I, I don't think that he – I think he's a good defender, but I don't think it's going to be the kind of, like, defense that's going to completely upset his game and give him one of those, like, one-for-ten type nights. Um, I, just, I think Michigan's going to have to really, really hamper that uh, Villanova offense. And as good as Michigan has been, I just think Villanova is not dependent on, like, one thing. Per se, I mean, maybe they're dependent on shooting the three well because it's you know that's what they're going to do, but the floor spacing is just going to allow them to have so many options. Like every ball screen that they run, there's several options. Every extra pass, every time, you know, every everything they do, there's you have to guard everything. With yeah. you know, you can't leave any loose ends in on a possession. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, if that all fails, I feel like they just like throw Jalen Brunson down there. And say, hey, go to work and, and do one of your little like back it down and get a short jumper in the lane. And I don't know if Xavier Simpson, who's six foot tall in your programs, right? Yeah. Which I assume that's accurate. You know, I don't know if he's going to be able to guard. And I know he's a really good defender and he's had definitely a good season so far. I don't know if he's going to be able to get in Brunson's game so much that's going to limit that. Here's something that's not going to be important in the game, which might be brought up because it's a cliche and every single basketball commentator brings it up when they're talking about um, which way the ball's going to bounce. The glass. Rebounding. It's not going to matter in this game. So if anybody tells you that, well, if, if someone's X team can, can win the glass, they got a good shot. Forget about that. No. Each of these teams rebounds at an average rate. Michigan is not a good offensive rebounding team. So that leaves them their defensive rebounding, and Villanova drops too many buckets and onions that it's really not going to play into this game at all. That's my theory about um, rebounding. Now, they got some with Wagner against Loyola Chicago. I just don't think that's going to happen on, in, the, in the title game. Do you see the transition game, like Villanova trying to get a transition game going at all? Well, Villanova's transition game, I believe, in this one, I don't know if it's going to be there. I just, I, I don't think it's going to be there. I think this is going to be half court. Look, look at how deliberate Michigan is in their pace. Oh, Michigan is super slow. I, I think, yeah. and that's why I don't even ask about them. But I think about, you know, do you? And I, the reason the Ramblers couldn't get out. This. I mean, Loyola Chicago couldn't get out, could they? Yeah. yeah I don't know. A different animal, obviously, but. This, is, reason, this game is going to be decided in the half court. It's not going to be decided on the glass. It's going to be decided by shooting and defending the perimeter. And maybe yeah. the X factor is uh, whoever's in the hole for each team, if it's Wagner or if it's Brunson for Villanova. I can't believe I'm saying that, but Brunson like in the lane posting up <laughs> and doing, yeah. doing things. But, but those are, I mean, it's a pretty simple game. 
The only thing I'll go back to with Michigan is because we're trying to make the case for Michigan because it's hard. Right. That they're always close. I mean, they might not win, but they could easily cover if it's six and a half, right, or seven. I mean, well, every single also, one of their games seems like they're they've been close. Or every every single one of their losses recently. Well, they haven't lost since what early February. So yeah, it's been a while. They had they've had a really good run. Man. They're like what fifteen games now. So I'm sure they'll show six six and a half. Wow, I don't know. Closing thoughts. I mean, we're gonna have to make our picks, and I'm gonna go Villanova. After all that said, after I tried to yeah. find a, an angle for Michigan, I'm going with Villanova. <laughs> <laughs> I just I think one of the reasons you like the you know you say they it always feels like they're close. It's almost like a miniature reason of the, a miniature version of like the Virginia slowdown is that they do play pretty slow and their games turn into half court battles. And so in general, it makes it like a, a slower paced game many, than other teams are used to playing. Um, and, and then with the defense, you know, that just compounds it because it, their defense, you know, limits you and makes you work it around and you end up using a full possession. I wonder if Villanova is going to get into that. You know, Villanova is not afraid to use a full possession, but they also, if they get an open look right away in the shot clock, they will take it. And so, I mean, if they're cold, that's, and then, you know, they're missing five seconds into the shot clock. Um, Michigan is it's really going to play into Michigan's hands and Michigan's mm-hmm. going to run it down and run their full set for a full 20 seconds, you know, Okay, um, I think it's time. That for being your said, pick. I'm also taking Villanova. It's time for your pick, okay? Just, yeah, just well, give me the six. This has and been a half. stimulating I, podcast for our listeners. I, I apologize for this, but finally, um, observations from San Antonio. Did you watch the Bob Huggins interview? I didn't. When he joined the panel of ESPN, folks, I, I thought it was actually uh, pretty good. When he talked about, it. he doesn't really actually know what's going on in his defense either. He self admitted it. I loved it. It's like. <laughs> So it was like tried was to take take us through the madness of, and we was like, well, it's probably about ball pressure, and then from there, I don't know. <laughs> I love the honesty; it's fantastic. Usually, those coaches are pretty good coming on, and even the you know Tom Crane has been pretty good, I think. Well, you know, this year, so you know that's Buzz's corner. He loves that. Oh yeah, I think more than anybody. I don't think he's, well, he's the best at it though. I really don't. I don't find him entertaining when he's. You know, in a, on a panel, he's got to get Virginia Tech deeper in the tournament if they're going to keep calling him up there. I guess so, man. They really, they really just destroyed all our weekends. Our, our weekend number one was destroyed by a couple teams, but Virginia, <laughs> Virginia Tech was one of them. However, any other observations? Anything no, else? I'm excited. You are excited. Wow, that's breaking news. But surprise, Villanova cover six and a half. Come on. If you had to make a dream final, I think Villanova has to be in it. Who would be your, your other team? If you could pick one other team you'd like to see them play, it can be from any of the regions. Any other any other team. Uh, or it could be Michigan. Maybe this is the dream final that Taylor yeah, wanted all along. Dream final. Maybe it is. Maybe I should not say that. Uh, I think I would have loved to see who would I have I mean, I would have loved to see Villanova play Virginia. Full I strength, see. though. Yeah. It would have had it's to have been the, full strength Virginia. Coming. But... You know, with Hunter out, uh, I don't think Virginia could have could have pulled that. I mean, uh, theoretically, any other teams who would have been interesting to see against Villanova? I would have loved to see Duke. Yeah, everybody says that. Everybody wanted to see I Duke know. against it's, everybody. It's an immediate option. I I tried to avoid saying it. That's what I thought, but then no. I thought Michigan State would have been an interesting foe. 
if they were firing on all cylinders. I just wanted to see how Villanova would respond. I mean, I guess you do kind of be, get the snot beat out of you in the Big East, but I think the length of Michigan State in, uh, it would have been interesting for me. Yeah. That would be another one to and pull I think out of a, I think it's like a misnomer that Villanova does not play physical or is afraid to play physical. No, no. Of... I mean, they're, they'll bang with you. Yeah, I, definitely. But, you know, maybe we did get our dream final, oddly enough. I mean, Michigan hasn't lost in a month and a half, so maybe this is it. After all that nonsense. All right, that's going to just about do it. Taylor, contact information, just in case more people want to come berate us and throw insults at us. We've had a lot of that the last month. It's been pleasurable, though. We love to hear it. We want to hear questions, and we want to hear, you know, those large, those big-picture philosophical questions that we can answer when there's not a game line to pick. So uh, find us on Twitter at ACCVVoldegens or send us an email ACCBBallDegens at gmail.com. Uh, like the podcast on iTunes and subscribe and tell your friends. The best thing about the Gmail account is I don't know the password and the three of you won't give it to me. So um, I haven't been able to read your emails, folks, but yeah, there please tweet at us, okay? Tweet at <laughs> us if you really want to get under my skin, which you probably won't because I've been doing this long enough to, uh, to deflect the darts. However, keep them coming. We I'm will... going to change my pick. I'm going to pick Michigan plus six and a half. With the points now that now just so that we have one on each side for this podcast and you know I, I dismissed it too easily Michigan with the points that's my pick. Well, it's an ACC basketball degenerates tradition to change your pick at the last minute. <laughs> Mike, right. The Mike Jaffe special, he would be proud. And then change it again, and then change it again, and then a third time, and then forget yeah. it and just say take the over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see. Uh, Hopefully we can do a recap show with all four of us together after the title game. But until then, enjoy the action. Stay up late.